Good morning, Lincoln Avenue. Open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We're going to pick up right where we left off last Sunday night. Uh, we started last Sunday morning in uh, the, the Beatitudes in uh, verse 3. We looked at uh, the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. And then uh, last Sunday night, we looked at blessed are those who mourn. And so today we're going to the third one, blessed are the meek. Matthew chapter 5, and uh, Jesus starts his sermon by, by these blessed, blessed are, uh, nine different times. And so we are going through them together as a church family. Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to go ahead and read all of them again, and then we'll come back and and look at the the third one, Blessed are the meek. Verse 2 says, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven." For so they persecuted the prophets who were before them. Father, we want to be blessed. God, we want to know what that means, Father, to live a blessed life, to live a life that is fortunate, to live a life that um, is full. And so, Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open our minds and hearts and enable us to understand uh, what the blessed life looks like and how we can live that life. I think of, of James chapter 1, verse 21, that says that we should receive the word with meekness. And Lord, I pray that you would show us, show us that today, God. I pray that you would, um, by the Spirit, enable us to, to receive the word spoken uh, with meekness to the salvation of our souls. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus nine times begins this sermon by saying, blessed are these people. And we are all very interested in that, aren't we? Uh, All of us, except the one of you that doesn't want to be blessed. And I'm not sure why you're here today, uh, but but we'll, we'll pray for you anyway. And hopefully you'll come around by the end of the sermon. But I think everybody else really would say, you know what? I want to live a blessed life. I want to live a life that is full. I want to live a life that is fortunate. I want to live a life that, that, that has good things in it, that is full of, of the riches of God and the riches of Christ. I want to live that life. And Jesus is saying, this is what that life looks like. Now, last week we saw right away that the first thing that kind of hits you as you read these verses are, you know what? What everybody in the world is chasing trying to get blessed, trying to be happy, trying to be satisfied, is obviously not the same thing that Jesus is describing as the blessed life. Because probably if you would just just by nature think, well, what does it mean to be blessed? You would say, well, it means you got plenty of money, and it means that you don't have very many problems, and it means that you have a lot of power. You know, people do what you say. Isn't, you know, we think life's better that way, isn't it? When everybody does what you say, and, you know, everybody's under you, and, and you've got the power, and you have the money. I mean, that's what we would think of. And then Jesus comes along and says... Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. Now, obviously, everything's turned upside down. He, he, he's saying, look, the, this life that I'm describing to you is probably not what you would think of as the blessed life. And so, last week, we started looking at the first one, 
And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. The word, remember, is used for a beggar. It's used for someone who who is needy. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Blessed is the person who realizes my account is at zero with God. I've got nothing to give. I've got nothing to offer. I'm broken. I'm damaged. I'm a sinner. And, And blessed is the person who learns to come to God and say, God, I'm coming to you ready to fill me up. Because that's, that's the person God's going to fill. That's the person God's going to pour his riches into their life. And then last Sunday night, we look at blessed are those who mourn. The people who, when hardship strikes and, and difficulty and struggle, they come to God for their comfort. Again, it's the same principle. Those people who will come to God and say, God, I want you to fill me up. Because the Bible says that nobody comforts like our God. In fact, the Holy Spirit is described as the comforter. Right? Remember last Sunday night, we talked about God is not just spiritual finish. You know, he doesn't just take the edge off of a really bad situation. You know, that's not what God does. He doesn't just take you and say, well, you know, you got it really bad. And so, you know, with Jesus, you're a little bit better. No, that's not what God does at all. What God does is he transforms our hardships and our struggles as we come to him so that God overcomes those things and produces good even out of the bad things of life. That's why blessed are those who mourn, those who, who mourn over their sin, who are deeply distressed over their spiritual condition, and it drives them to God. So blessed are the the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn are both principles that drive us to God to say, God, I'm looking to you to fill me up. They're things that keep us needy before the Lord, keep us on our knees, keep us in our church, keep us in our Bible, keep us in our small group saying, God, I I need what you have to give. Jesus says, those are the people who are going to be blessed. Those are the people who are going to find happiness and satisfaction in life. Now today he goes a step further and he says, blessed are the meek. Okay? Now, what does it mean to be meek? Well, that word actually means things like mild, gentle. It's used lots in the, in the New Testament for the English word gentle. Okay? Um, controlled, you know, things like that. Now, again, that's kind of upside down, isn't it? I mean, how many of you go to an action movie to see somebody who is mild, gentle, and controlled? Probably not. You know, I mean, those aren't the heroes, are they? You know, and many times when we think of meek, we think of, you know, some guy that's kind of a, a wet noodle, you know, that doesn't have any spine and, you know, he's afraid of the dark and sleeps with his nightlight and his teddy bear. And, you know, I mean, it's just not something that most people say, wow, that's really living. Okay. But let me, let me encourage you. That's really not a biblical description of meekness. Okay. The definition of that word is, is mild. It is gentle. It is under control. But listen, the people that the Bible describes as meek were not anything like the description I just gave you, okay? Let me give you some examples. Moses, okay? Moses is the guy that goes toe-to-toe to Pharaoh, by himself, by the way. Again and again, most powerful guy in the world at that time. And Moses comes to him and says, look, you're going to let my people go because God said it. You know, incredible courage, stands against the Egyptian army. Mo- the Bible says in, in Numbers twelve three, Moses was the meekest man to walk the earth. David, how about David? Here's a guy... Here's a guy who killed, decapitated more Philistines than probably anybody else in the Bible. He's a guy that crushed the skull of Goliath, all right? This is a warrior king, and yet the Bible lifts up David time and again as being an example of meekness, an example of, 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 of one who, who has this spiritual quality under control, okay? How about Jesus Christ? Revelation 19 tells us that Jesus is going to come riding on a white horse with eyes of flame of fire, a robe dipped in blood, a sharp sword coming from his mouth with which he will strike down the nations. But yet in Matthew chapter eleven twenty nine, Jesus says this about himself. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle. That's the word meek. Same word. I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, now obviously, Moses, David, Jesus. Okay, that doesn't fit the description that you would normally think of as someone being meek. And so what we need to understand today, what we need to come to to figure out is what is the Bible describing for us when it talks about the meek? What is it encouraging us to be and to take up when it says, blessed are the meek? In order to do that, what I want to do is I want to take you to Psalm 37. So go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. We're going to camp out there for a while. So you'd you'd be good to turn there. Psalm 37. Now, the reason it's important to go to Psalm 37 is because I believe when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit at the earth, he's given us an arrow back to Psalm 37, okay? Uh, Obviously, Jesus knew the scriptures by the Holy Spirit. He wrote the scriptures, and so he knew Psalm 37 was inspired by him, by the Spirit of God. And in Psalm 37... We see uh, in verse 11, I think it's, it's what Jesus is, is wanting to us to have in our minds. Verse 11 says, But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Sound familiar? Uh, obviously, Jesus is, is, is wanting us to have that, that principle in mind. And so as we look at Psalm 37, the interesting thing is we find a great picture of meekness. Now, here's, what, here's the way we're going to approach this. Instead of, of looking at meekness and saying, okay, here's what meekness looks like in your family and with your enemies and in your hard circumstances and in your church. Instead of doing that, what I want to do is I want to start at the root of meekness, okay? I want us to say, all right, what produces meekness in a person's life? And then we'll begin to look at, okay, now how does that look when someone hurts you? And how does that look when, when your circumstances fall out from beneath you, okay? So that's where we're going to approach this. And so to do that, I want us to look at Psalm 37, verse 5. Psalm 37, verse 5, I think has a key. Uh, we could use other verses that say a similar thing, but I'm just going to grab onto verse 5. I'm going to use it the rest of the sermon. So get ready to hear this a lot. Okay, verse five says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him. And then I want you to focus on these last four words. Okay, and he will act. Okay, now the psalmist is going to say that several different ways, several different times in Psalm 37. Okay, he keeps coming back to that. God's going to act. God's going to do something. Okay, now here's what I believe the root of meekness is. The root of meekness is believing, having, being convinced in your own life. Okay, that in your hardships and in in your in your difficulties and when people harm you and attack you and life gets tough, in all of those situations of life, it is a conviction. God will act. God's going to do something, okay? God's not just all dreams and wishes and fairy tales and and good intentions. God is a God who does things. God is a God who works in my life. God is a God who orchestrates the condition and and the, and the, the, the circumstances of my life. God will act. God is going to work. And when he does, it will be good, okay? That That's the root of meekness. The root of meekness is believing that in your heart that God is going to act and that when he does, it's going to be good. And, I, and when he does, it's going to be the right thing and it's going to be in the right way and it's going to be at the right time. And I'm not going to buck against it. I'm not going to be angry. You see, meekness is that spirit that says, okay, God, whatever you do, whatever you put, whatever you, however you choose to deal with this situation, I'm going to trust you that it's right. And, I, and I'm not going to buck against you and I'm not going to challenge you and I'm not going to question, I'm going to get mad. I, I'm going to trust that, God, you're going to act. And when you do, it's going to be the right thing in the right way at the right time. Now, here's a couple things that's going to do right off the bat, okay? When you have that conviction in your life, in your circumstances, that God's at work and he's going to act and I can trust him to do so. When you, when you do that, it does a couple things. It governs, it governs the sinful passions that flow out of you, okay? Now, another way to say that is it calms the emotional frenzy that happens inside of our hearts when bad things happen, Okay? 
No, notice a couple things here, okay? Meekness is going to do that. In, 30, in Psalm 37, there's, there's a word used three times in the first eight verses. Um, verse 1, start there. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Okay, now go to verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself. Okay, and then in verse 8, refrain from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. Okay, that word fret, it's an interesting word. It's a Hebrew word that means to burn, okay? To burn. Okay, now think about, think about, it's really a great image because I think you can all identify with it. Something bad happens in your life. Something frustrating happens. Something irritating happens. Somebody attacks you in some way. What begins to happen inside of you, right? You begin to burn, don't you? You know, things begin to churn up inside of you, okay? You got an emotional cup and that thing begins to shake and it begins to churn and things begin to get hot. Interesting thing here, you can actually feel this happen sometimes, can't you? Have you ever just felt yourself begin to get hot in those type of situations? And even even more interesting things, on some people, not everybody, but on some people you can actually see it happening. Yeah, have you ever seen that? Like, like they actually turn colors, you know? Or, or it's funny to me. Some people like their neck, you know, and they're, they're like right here on. It'll like get red, you know, and it kind of you know it starts to to, to pop out. It's it's kind of like a a warning, you know. It's, it's nature's way of saying, "Step back, man. It's gonna blow," you know. But but I mean that begins to happen. And, and so Psalm 37 says, you know, fret not, don't begin to burn, don't begin to churn, don't begin to, 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 to get all bound up on the inside, and, and don't let that slosh out. Because what happens when you begin to churn and burn on the inside, and you get all shaken up, it begins to slosh out, doesn't it? And it comes out in all kinds of bad ways, all right? Now, what meekness does is meekness says, fret not. Now, why? Didn't you see what just happened to me? Didn't you see how I, I left the house and within a block all four tires were flat, you know? Didn't you see that, you know? Haven't you seen what I got to deal with at work, you know? How can I fret not? Here's the reason you can fret not, because God will act. That's the heart of it. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him. He will act. God's going to work. He's going to do, not only is He going to work, He's going to do the right thing, okay? You see, you could act, but... Many times when we act, it's, it's not the right thing, is it? You know, it just, it just makes more burning, churning, and sloshing, okay? But when God acts, it's the right thing. And, and so look at verse 7. I love verse 7. Here's, here's what a meek person can do. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. What, what do you mean wait for Him? Wait for Him to act. God's going to act. And so you can be still. It's a great picture, you know. If you think about the inside of you sometimes, you know, when things are hitting and there's frustrating, irritating struggles in your life, and, and inside, you know, you're just going crazy, you know, on, on the inside, and, and it's almost like God's saying, look, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to do what needs to be done. Be still. Just be still. Be still on the inside. Don't, don't be fretting. Don't be churning. Don't be, don't be emotionally spilling all over everybody, you know. Don't, don't give that spillage. That's what happens when, when you're turning and burning on the inside and you're shaking all that. It begins to spill out, right? And it begins to spill out in grumbling and complaining and bemoaning and anger and wrath and outbursts and, and depression and all kinds of emotional spillage all over everybody. And friends, that's not meekness. Meekness caps that. Why? Because God's going to act and we believe in Him so we can be still and we can rest. You know what? It doesn't glorify God. For us to be all emotionally torn up on the inside of our things. Does it? I mean, it's, it, it's almost saying, God, I don't trust that you're going to act. And if you do act, I don't think you do the right thing. Have you ever been fixing supper for your kids? 
you know, and, and, and you got it on, you got fried potatoes there, and you got meatloaf in the oven, and you got, you know, fried okra. You no, know, there's a lot of fried it, all right? Fried okra, you know, and you got muffins in the, you know, and it's just all, it's all coming about. And the kids are coming in every three minutes, you know. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? You know, I mean, there's meatloaf, fried potatoes. Can I have cheese crackers? Why would you, you know, I mean, I mean, just in there. You know, there's times, there was one time I remember, well, I think it was a Haven or Avery or whatever. They lay down on their back in the, in the kitchen and they kind of spun, you know, they, like with their feet, you know, kind of spun around and around like, I'm hungry, you know. And I mean, it's just, it's a picture. It's what a lot of us do sometimes when, you know, when we're in need, you know. And it's almost insulting, isn't it? Because you're like, don't you see what I'm doing here? You know, this is supper. It's coming. I'm acting. I am acting on your behalf. I am preparing for you what you need. And so it doesn't do any good for you to be writhing on the floor like that. Just be still and what's good is coming to you. It irritates us. I think we irritate God sometimes, don't you? I mean, we're in, we're in this situation, and God said, I'm going to act. I'm going to do what needs to be done. You can trust me. And we're on the floor spinning, ah, you know, spilling all over everybody. God said, be still. That's what meekness is. It's not being out of control. You know, verse 8, refrain from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Isn't that true? You know, when you're all emotionally boiling over it, it only ends in evil. It only ends in bad things for your life. Folks, we need to trust that God will do what needs to be done. Let's give some examples of that. It always helps to have some examples, doesn't it? Let's give some scriptural ones. I could tell you stories, but uh, I think the Bible just has some great ones. Moses, chapter chapter 12 of Numbers. Numbers, chapter 12. Here's a story. I'll just read it. It's, it's just a couple of verses here. Verse 1. Miriam and Aaron, that's Moses' brother and sister. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. Now, let's just stop right there, and let's just put this in context. This is a tough thing, okay? When somebody speaks against your family, that tends to make you burn on the inside, doesn't it? Huh? Honest, right? We all know that. That's a hard thing. I mean, some people do that all the time. And, man, it really begins to just crank people up on the inside. Okay, that's what's happening. Moses and or Miriam and Aaron are speaking against Moses' wife. And, and they're saying, you shouldn't have married that gal. And I don't know what she was doing, but they're, they're mad at her and they're mad at him. And, and then they go the next step further and they start criticizing him. In verse 2, they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through you, only through Moses? Has not he spoken through us also? Okay, and it says, and the Lord heard it. Now, you know what you're expecting the next verse to be? And the next verse, verse ought to be Moses' response, right? You know, how would that go in your life? You know, someone speaks against your family, then they criticize you. You know what happens? Man, that starts to boil on the inside, starts to churn, start to burn, turn red, and it's coming out, right? You know, well, let me tell you about you, you know, and I've been wanting to tell you this for a long time, you know. I've got a list. Let me get it out, you know. And, and you begin to, you know, take things in your own hand. You know what Moses does? You know what, you know what his response is? Very interesting. There is not one. The next verse, instead of Moses saying anything, because he doesn't, so the Bible has got to put a little commentary in there. Verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. That's the response. So what does Moses do? Nothing. I don't know this for sure, but I kind of think, I mean, this is just speculation. I kind of think he took a big step back. You know why? 
Because I think he knew God was going to act. He's meek. It says he's meek. I, I think he knew, man, God's going to take care of this. I don't, have to, I don't have to churn on the inside. I don't have to burn. I'm going to be mad. I don't have to spill over these folks. I can just take, take a step back. God's going to act. God does act. God says, you three, in the tent, now. You know, they go in the tent. God says, Miriam, you got leprosy. Boom, you know. That's a bad deal. Bad deal having leprosy, okay? God handles that. Moses ends up interceding for Miriam. Folks, that's a picture of meekness. How about David? There's some great stories about David uh, in meekness. 1 Samuel chapter 26 is one I want to tell you. There's a bunch of them. I, I could literally, there's four or five that come to my mind. This is a great one. Saul has been on David's tail trying to kill him. He's, they're just one step ahead of Saul and his army all the time. He chases him everywhere. He's killed David's friends. He's killed the priests that tried to help David and the priest's family. I mean, it's just been a, a horrible situation. Saul is out of the will of the Lord. Saul is evil at this point in his life. And so David and Abishai, Abishai is a great guy to read about in the Bible. If you, if you want like a, you know, Rambo type figure, that's Abishai, okay? He's, he's one of those mighty men. He's always with David, courageous, nothing scares him. David and Abishai decide we're going to sneak down into the camp where Saul is. So they sneak through all the soldiers, okay? It's night. They're sleeping. And they, they're standing above Saul. And Abishai leans over and whispers and he says, let me kill him. We'll end this now. No more, no more bloodshed, no more evil, no more carnage, no more running, no more caves. He deserves it. Israel's being hurt by him. Let me end this now. And he even tells David, I don't know if this was like supposed to sweeten the pot, but he tells David, he says, I'll do it in one shot. Okay, you know, this isn't going to be a hacking him up. One shot, it's over. And he tells David that. This is what David says. This is verse uh, 9 of chapter 26. Do not, he says, but David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Now listen to verse 10. And David said, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him. Or his day will come to die. Or he will go down into battle and perish. What is David saying there? God will act. And ain't that basically what he's saying? That God's going to act. He didn't know how. You know, God may strike him, may strike him now. You know, he, his day may come to die, maybe tomorrow. He may go into battle, which is actually what happens. He goes into battle and perishes, not, not too long from this. But basically, David says, man, do you see he's under control? I mean, Abishai's not. Abishai's like, <laughs> you know, give the word, you know, this, uh, I'm ready. Abishai's churning and burning. David's not. I mean, this guy has hunted him down. And David is under control. Why? Why is he able to stand there and be self-controlled? Because he knows God's going to act. God's going to take care of it. The Lord will strike him. His day will come to die. He'll go into battle and perish. Another one of David. A lot of great stories about David. Second Samuel 16. He is uh, fleeing Jerusalem. He's had a really, really bad day. Uh, Absalom has tried to take over the kingdom. And so he's fleeing with his army. And there's this guy named Shimei, and Shimei is, is up on this little kind of ridge, and he's cursing David and throwing rocks at his head. You know, it just amazes me when you think about the Bible stories. Most of us, when we've had a bad day, it's like, you know, well, someone looked at me, and they, they just looked at me wrong, and they did it all day, you know. And, you know, they came over, and when they put the papers on the desk, here, literally, this is the way they did it. Just like that. Can you believe that, you know? And, I mean, man, we're just all on the inside. You know, they laid the paper, you know. David's got people throwing rocks at him, you know, and cursing him and yelling. I mean, 
How many times do you go out to the parking lot and you're getting cursed from the second floor of the building and people throwing rocks at your car, you know? Maybe that happens to you. I don't know, but I mean, not very often. This is what David's dealing with, okay? Again, Abishai, (laughs) this guy, man. Verse 9, Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. You know, that's Abishai's solution to the problem. Verse 12, here's what David says. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing. What's, what's David banking on? What, what? God, God's going God's to see this. God's going to act. And what's that do? That enables him to be self-controlled. That enables him to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that enables him not to churn and burn and have emotional spillage all over. Folks, that's meekness. Well, you might be thinking, well, meekness is only for when people are throwing rocks at your head and uh, you've had a really bad day. It's not. It's for every day. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is describing how we ought to treat each other as the church. Okay? And he says in verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all... And listen, listen to the family of words he uses here. With all humility, okay, and gentleness. There's the word for meekness. Gentleness. With patience, bearing with one another in love. How are we to treat each other? How are you supposed to go to your small group tonight? How are you supposed to go to lunch? Where are you supposed to go in humility, with gentleness, with meekness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love. Okay? It's how we treat each other. What's the Bible saying? The Bible saying, look, you're the people of God. You're, you trust God. You trust what he's done in your life. You trust what he will do in your life. You trust his actions. And so you need to go through life in meekness. You need to go through life saying, you know what? This is my family. It's who God's put there. He's put them there for a purpose. Yeah, the little guy, he's really annoying right now. But you know what? God's got a plan, you know? God's got a purpose in that, and I'm at my job, and, you know, my boss or my, my co-worker, and, you know, hey, but God's got a plan. God's going to work, and we go through life with meekness. Meekness affects the way that you do what you're doing right now, by the way, which hopefully is listening to the sermon. It could be something else. I, I understand that, but hopefully you're hearing the Word of God, Okay. And listen, listen, James 1, 21, okay? James 1, 21. I'm just flying through a bunch of different ways meekness works out in our lives. James 1, 21. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness. You see that? Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. At first, I had a hard time thinking about, well, why does he use meekness there? It just didn't seem to fit with everything else. But then I started to put it together in my head. And I thought, well, okay, hold on. Circumstances, they assault us. And we're tempted to get all churned up inside. And so, no, no, no. We need, God's going to act. What God does is good. We can trust God. So we receive our circumstances, whatever they are, with meekness. People assault us. Okay, that's bad. But you know what? God's going to act. We can trust Him. So we receive whatever happens. And we receive that with meekness. We handle that with meekness. And I thought, you know what? The Word of God assaults us. Sounds wrong at first, but it's right, isn't it? The Word of God does assault us. You ever been assaulted by the Word of God? You had this nice little sin that you you really loved, and you dressed it up, put a bow on it, you know, held it close, sat by you at church, you know. And one day, the Word of God took his sword, and he just hacked it up. That ever happened to you? 
You opened up and, you know, you've been living this certain way, doing this certain thing. Man, you opened your Bible one day and God just macheted it, you know, carnage everywhere. Shut your Bible real quick. You know, man, no, 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 no. That happens, doesn't it? It should. It happens to me, man. God, we're, Hebrews says, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting through both bone and marrow. Why does it say that? Because it does, doesn't it? Man, it convicts us. Convicts us of gossip, and slander, and impure motives, and lust. The TV we watch, the movies we watch, the company we keep. And the Word of God does that. And you've got two choices. You can either kind of be upset about that. Some people do that. I've had people leave Bible study. I've had people leave the sermon. Man, I'm mad about what you said. You know, I, I'm mad. That's, you know, you said this about me, about my life, and about what I'm doing, about the way I'm living. You can be angry, and you can be upset, and you can reject that. But what James is saying is, man, come to the Word of God with meekness. What does that mean? Well, God, okay, I trust you. You've acted in the Word, and I believe that what you do is right. I believe what you say is right. All right, Lord, I'll submit to my husband. All right, Lord, I'll love my wife as Christ loves the church. All right, Lord, I'll forgive my enemy. All right, Lord, I'll be faithful. I'll give my time to this. All right, Lord, I'll give my money to this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's, that's meekness, isn't it? It's the same spirit. It's God, I'm going to trust you. Well, we already looked at, when we started the sermon, blessed are the meek. Blessed, right? Happy, fortunate. Good things coming when you're meek, Okay. But notice the rest of the verse. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, listen. I know we'll talk about this in just a second. I know there's a future to that. I know there's a future, you know, connotation, new heavens, new earth. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I really believe, though, there is a present reward for meekness, okay? If you're, if you're reading Psalm 37 as an Old Testament saint, you're thinking promised land, okay? You're thinking the land, the good life that God has given us, okay? The good life that God wants us to have. And I really believe there's connotations here when Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I really believe there's a connotation there that says, Man, the, when you're meek, I mean, life is yours. The earth is yours, the enjoyment of the good things of God. You have it when you're meek. Okay? Now, let, let, me, let, me, let me prove that to you. Let me tell you a story about two men. One, 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 one's not meek and one is meek. Okay? Both these guys go on vacation and they go to the same place at the exact same time. All right? Now, wherever you want to go to vacation, you just fill that in. I don't have any particular place. So if you like to go to the beach, then in your mind, you have them going to the beach. If you like to go to the mountains, in your mind, you have them going to the mountains. If you like to go to the mall, I don't got nothing for you because that's not a vacation. But anyway, you just put in your mind where you like to go, okay? Where you want to go on vacation, wherever it is, you know, just put yourself in that place. These two guys go, okay? They get there, boom, first two days, torrential rain, okay? Torrential rain. Now... The first guy is meek. Now, what does he do? How does a meek man look at that? We took off work. We spent the money to come down here. We got here, torrential rain. What, what's the meek man do? Well, the meek man says, you know what? What God does is good. And God acts. And God is sovereign. And so, you know what? 
Hey, guys, family, come together. All right, I know this is not what we planned, and I know it's a little disappointing, but you know what? God is good, and God's given us this family time. And so I'm getting my umbrella. I'm going to Walmart, coming back with Monopoly, shoots and ladders, uh, cards, uh, catchphrase, you know. I'm going to go spend about 100 bucks on some games. We're coming back to the motel. We're going to play games. We're going to have family night. We're going we're gonna to roast marshmallows over the heater, and we're going to get a mattress and take it down the stairs. And then, you know, and we're, you know we're gonna, we're, we're, God's good. God is good, and we're going to be a family and it's going to be good. Okay. That's what the meek man does. You know, you say, well, God's work. God has done this. You know, the rain is, is God under God's sovereignty. And so we're, we're just going to say, look, God is good. He has acted and we're going to receive that and we're going to make the most of it. Okay. The other guy doesn't handle it that way. He looks out the window He's just angry. I mean, they had planned this stuff. They had already reserved stuff for, for, to do this day. And now they've got to be in the motel. And he took off work to get here. And he had a presentation he was supposed to make. And now he's not there. And he sacrificed that. He's probably going to lose the account. They should just be at home. And now they're stuck there. And so he's angry about it. And he's churning and burning inside. And every time he looks out the window, it just goes more and more. And that rubs off on the family. And so everybody's irritated. And the kids are fighting. And the mom says, I just wish we would stay home, you know. And I'm never taking you on vacation again. There's just this confrontation. They go ahead and Cracker Barrel. And nobody says anything the whole meal. And it's just a miserable two days. Third day, sun comes out. Amen. Oh, amen. Both guys get the stomach flu, okay? <laughs> What's the meek man do? He's disappointed. I don't want you to seem like meekness is just this, you know, thing that you don't, you know, struggles don't bother you. No. I mean, he's disappointed. He's really disappointed. He's like, ah, you know? He actually is like, ah, you know, anyway. <laughs> so, but he's disappointed. He's disappointed. And, but you know what he says? Look, God is sovereign. Nothing happens outside of God's control, guys. And I don't know why God done this. Daddy's sorry. I don't know why this has happened, but you guys go have fun and I'm going to be praying for you. And daddy's got a book he's going to be reading today and read, puke, read, puke. That's what I'm going to do, you know? And, uh, you know, we'll just pray that, you know, it's okay. All right. It's all right. You guys, you guys go have a good time. The other guy, what does he do? Man, he's just furious. He, he's sunk from anger into a depression. You know, he's doing that whole thing of, you know, Life just stinks. It's never good for me. You know, it just always happens this way and nothing ever goes my way. And, you know, I should have just expected this. And he, you know, dads do this sometimes. He makes some kind of rash, stupid decision. We're just getting in the car, you know. You know, you can drive and I'll puke every 30 minutes out the door. You know, we're going back home. We're in the, you know. It's a bad deal. All right. And I know it's a made up, silly illustration. But you know what? In every area of life, it's that, isn't it? With kids, soccer, with the job, with the house, with the sink that overflows. I had me last night. It's just that, isn't it? And you know what? The meek, the meek, and they inherit the earth. It's theirs. It's all theirs. All the good things of God. They come to the meek. You know why? Does that mean I'm saying that their circumstances are all better? No. Same thing happened to both guys. But the meek man, he's got the riches of God. He inherits the earth. The other guy, things are bad. Things are, things are just bad. And they just get worse. And it produces all kinds of evil. Why? Because he's in emotional turmoil all the time. I want to be meek. I want to be meek. And I really do. I told my family that last night. 
So, man, I'm, I'm so excited about tomorrow because I love this passage. I love Psalm 37. I preach Psalm 37 several times. I just think it's a great passage. I just think this is one of the keys to life, really, the life that God wants us to live. And I, I believe there's a future thing that God's saying here, too. We, we read in Second Peter that one day this earth's going to be burned up in the universe, and God's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. You know who's going you know to live on that new heavens and new earth? You know who's going to run in the mountains of God? You know who's going to live in the cities of God? You know who's going to travel and do commerce and do whatever God has us doing in the new heavens and new earth? The meek. The meek shall inherit the earth. Those who have been joined to Jesus Christ. Because you see, you only get to be meek through the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5 says, The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit that comes from being yielded to the Spirit of God is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know what the next one is? Gentleness. It's meekness. It's a word for meekness. God produces that. People who are, who are convinced God is good and I can trust him. And what God does is good. And that produces meekness in our lives. I want to be meek. I want you to be meek. I want us to be meek together as we as we do church and as we live in this community, as we love our families, I want us to live that way. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your goodness. And God, I thank you that, God, we can count on you to act. God, that we can trust you. We can commit our way to you. God, we can, we, we can know, God, that you are doing the right thing in the right way at the right time. And Father, help us to have a spirit of rest, of being still before you. Father, help us not to be all emotionally bent out of shape and fretting and angry and grumbling. But God, help us to be still before you. And just to to enjoy and to rest in that you're going to do what is right. And you're going you're to work in our lives. And God, we can trust you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.